Chapter Thirteen of A Daughter of the Snows by Jack London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Thirteen. Gregory St. Vincent swiftly became an important factor in the social life of Dawson. As a representative of the Amalgamated Press Association, he had brought with him the best credentials a powerful influence could obtain, and over and beyond he was well qualified socially by his letters of introduction. It developed in a quiet way that he was a wanderer and explorer of no small parts, and that he had seen life and strife pretty well all over the earth's crust and withal he was so mild and modest about it that nobody not even among the men was irritated by his achievements incidentally he ran across numerous old acquaintances jacob wells he had met at st michael's in the fall of eighty eight just prior to his crossing bering straits on the ice a month or so later father barnum who had come up from the lower river to take charge of the hospital had met him a couple of hundred miles on his way north of st michael's captain alexander of the police had rubbed shoulders with him in the british legation at peking and bettles another old-timer of standing had met him at fort ayukon nine years before so dawson ever prone to look askance at the casual comer received him with open arms especially was he a favourite with the women as a promoter of pleasures and an organiser of amusements he took the lead and it quickly came to pass that no function was complete without him not only did he come to help in the theatricals but insensibly and as a matter of course he took charge frona as her friends charged was suffering from a stroke of ibsen so they hit upon the doll's house and she was cast for nora corliss who was responsible by the way for the theatricals having first suggested them was to take torvald's part but his interest seemed to have died out or at any rate he begged off on the plea of business rush so st vincent without friction took torvald's lines corliss did manage to attend one rehearsal it might have been that he had come tired from forty miles with the dogs and it might have been that torvald was obliged to put his arm about nora at diverse times and to toy playfully with her ear but one way or the other corliss never attended again busy he certainly was and when not away on trail he was closeted almost continually with jacob wells and colonel trethaway that it was a deal of magnitude was evidenced by the fact that wells's mining interests involved alone mounted to several millions corliss was primarily a worker and doer and on discovering that his thorough theoretical knowledge lacked practical experience he felt put upon his mettle and worked the harder he even marvelled at the silliness of the men who had burdened him with such responsibilities simply because of his pull and he told trethaway as much but the colonel while recognizing his shortcomings liked him for his candour and admired him for his effort and for the quickness with which he came to grasp things actual dell bishop who had refused to play any hand but his own had gone to work for corliss because by so doing he was enabled to play his own hand better he was practically unfettered while the opportunities to further himself were greatly increased equipped with the best of outfits and a magnificent dog team his task was mainly to run the various creeks and keep his eyes and ears open a pocket miner first last and always he was privately on the constant lookout for pockets which occupation did not affair in the least with the duty he owed his employer 
and as the days went by he stored his mind with miscellaneous data concerning the nature of the various placer deposits and the lay of the land against the summer when the thawed surface and the running water would permit him to follow a trace from creek bed to side slope and source corliss was a good employer paid well and considered it his right to work men as he worked himself those who took service with him either strengthened their own manhood and remained or quit and said harsh things about him jacob wells noted this trait with appreciation and he sounded the mining engineer's praises continually frona heard and was gratified for she liked the things her father liked and she was more gratified because the man was corliss but in his rush of business she saw less of him than formerly while st vincent came to occupy a greater and growing portion of her time his helpful optimistic spirit pleased her while he corresponded well to her idealized natural man and favorite racial type her first doubt that if what he said was true had passed away all the evidence had gone counter men who at first questioned the truth of his wonderful adventures gave in after hearing him talk those to any extent conversant with the parts of the world he made mention of could not but acknowledge that he knew what he talked about young soley representing bannock's news syndicate and holmes of the fair weather recollected his return to the world in ninety one and the sensation created thereby and sid winslow pacific coast journalist had made his acquaintance at the wanderers club shortly after he landed from the united states revenue cutter which had brought him down from the north further as frona well saw he bore the earmarks of his experiences they showed their handiwork in his whole outlook on life then the primitive was strong in him and his was a passionate race pride which fully matched hers in the absence of corliss they were much together went out frequently with the dogs and grew to know each other thoroughly all of which was not pleasant to corliss especially when the brief intervals he could devote to her were usually intruded upon by the correspondent naturally corliss was not drawn to him and other men who knew or had heard of the opera house occurrence only accepted him after a tentative fashion Tretheway had the indiscretion once or twice to speak slightingly of him but so fiercely was he defended by his admirers that the colonel developed the good taste to thenceforward keep his tongue between his teeth once corliss listening to an extravagant panegyric bursting from the lips of mrs scoville permitted himself the luxury of an incredulous smile but the quick wave of colour in frona's face and the gathering of the brows warned him at another time he was unwise enough and angry enough to refer to the opera house broil he was carried away and what he might have said of that night's happening would have redounded neither to st vincent's credit nor to his own had not frona innocently put a seal upon his lips ere he had properly begun yes she said mr st vincent told me about it he met you for the first time that night i believe you all fought royally on his side you and colonel tretheway he spoke his admiration unreservedly and to tell the truth with enthusiasm corliss made a gesture of depreciation no no from what he said you must have behaved splendidly and i was most pleased to hear it must be great to give the brute the rein now and then and healthy too great for us who have wandered from the natural and softened to sickly ripeness just to shake off artificiality and rage up and down and yet the inmost mentor serene and passionless viewing all and saying this is my other self behold i who am now powerless am the power behind and ruleth still this other self mine ancient violent elder self rages blindly as the beast 
but tis i sitting apart who discern the merit of the cause and bid him rage or bid him cease oh to be a man corliss could not help a humouring smile which put frona upon defence at once tell me vance how did it feel have i not described it rightly were the symptoms yours did you not hold aloof and watch yourself play the brute he remembered the momentary days which came when he stunned the man with his fist and nodded and pride she demanded inexorably or shame uh, a little of both and more of the first than the second he confessed at the time i suppose i was madly exultant then afterwards came the shame and i tossed awake half the night and finally pride i guess i couldn't help it couldn't down it i awoke in the morning feeling as though i had won my spurs in a subconscious way i was inordinately proud of myself and time and again mentally i caught myself throwing chests then came the shame again and i tried to reason back my self-respect and last of all pride the fight was fair and open it was none of my seeking i was forced into it by the best of motives i am not sorry and i would repeat it if necessary and rightly so frona's eyes were sparkling and how did mr st vincent acquit himself he oh i suppose all right creditably i was too busy watching my other self to take notice but he saw you most likely so i acknowledge my negligence i should have done better the chances are had i thought it would have been of interest to you pardon me just bungling my wit the truth is i was too much of a greenhorn to hold my own and spare glances on my neighbours so corliss went away glad that he had not spoken and keenly appreciating st vincent's craft whereby he had so adroitly forestalled adverse comment by telling the story in his own modest self-effacing way two men and a woman the most potent trinity of factors in the creating of human pathos and tragedy as ever in the history of man since the first father dropped down from his arboreal home and walked upright so at dawson necessarily there were minor factors not least among which was del bishop who in his aggressive way stepped in and accelerated things this came about in a trail camp on the way to miller creek where corliss was bent on gathering in a large number of low-grade claims which could only be worked profitably on a large scale i'll not be wasting candles when i make a strike savvy the pocket miner remarked savagely to the coffee which he was settling with a chunk of ice not on your life i guess rather not kerosene corliss queried running a piece of bacon rind round the frying pan and pouring in the batter kerosene hell you won't see my trail for smoke when i get a gate on for god's country my wad in my poke and the sunshine in my eyes say how'd a good juicy tenderloin strike you just now green onions fried potatoes and fixins on the side Selt me that's the first proposition i'll hump myself up against then a general whoopla for a week seattle or frisco i don't care a rap which and then out of money and after a job not on your family tree bishop roared cash my sack before i go on the tear sure pop and then afterwards southern california many's the day i've had my eye on a peach of a fruit farm down there forty thousand'll buy it no more workin' for grub stakes and the like figured it out long ago hired men to work the ranch a manager to run it and me ownin' the game and livin' off the percentage a stable with always a couple of broncos handy handy to slap the packs and saddles on and be off and away whenever the fever for chasin pockets came over me great pocket country down there too to the east and along the desert and no house on the ranch 
cert with sweet peas growing up the sides and in back a patch for vegetables string beans and spinach and radishes cucumbers and sparrowgrass turnips carrots cabbage and such and a woman inside to draw me back when i get to runnin loco after the pockets say you know all about minin did you ever go snoozin around after pockets no then just steer clear they're worse than whiskey horses or cards women when they come afterwards ain't in it whenever you get a hankerin after pockets go right off and get married it's the only thing will save you and even then maybe it won't i oughta done it years ago i might have made something of myself if i had jerusalem the jobs i've jumped and the good things chucked in my time just because of pockets say corliss you want to get married you do and right off i'm telling you straight take warning from me and don't stay single any longer and god'll let you sure corliss laughed sure i mean it i'm older than you and know what i'm talking now there's a bit of a thing down in dawson i'd like to see you get your hands on you was made for each other both of you corliss was past the stage when he would have treated bishop's meddling as an impertinence the trail which turns men into the same blankets and makes them brothers was the great leveller of distinctions as he had come to learn so he flopped a flapjack and held his tongue why don't you waltz in and win dell demanded insistently don't you cotton to her i know you do or you wouldn't come back to cabin after being with her a walkin like on air better waltz in while you got a chance why there was emmy a tidy bit of flesh as women go and we took to each other on the jump but i kept to chasin pockets and chasin pockets in the land then a big black lumberman a canuck began sidling up to her and i made up my mind to speak only i went off after one more pocket just one more and when i got back she was mrs somebody else so take warning there's that writer guy that skunk i poked outside the opera house he's walkin right in and gettin thick and here's you just like me a racin around all creation and lettin matrimony slide mark my words corliss some fine frost you'll come slippin into camp and find em housekeepin sure with nothin left for you in life but pocketing the picture was so unpleasant that corliss turned surly and ordered him to shut up who me dell asked so aggrievedly that corliss laughed what would you do then he asked me in all kindness i'll tell you as soon as you get back you go and see her make dates with her ahead till you got to put em on paper to remember em all get a cinch on her spare time ahead so as to shut the other fellow out don't get down in the dirt to her she's not that kind but don't be too high and mighty neither just so-so savvy and then some time when you see she's feelin good and smilin at you in that way of hers why up and call her hand of course i can't say what the showdown'll be that's for you to find out but don't hold off too long about it better married early than never and if that writer guy shoves in poke him in the bread-basket hard that'll settle him plenty better still take him off to one side and talk to him tell him you're a bad man and that you staked that claim before he was dry behind the ears and that if he comes nosing around trying to file on it you'll beat his head off bishop got up stretched and went outside to feed the dogs don't forget to beat his head off he called back and if you're squeamish about it just call on me i won't keep him waiting long End of chapter 13. Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.